Hey everybody, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. I hope it's really helping you grow in the Lord. But I just wanted to take a second just to talk about this great tool that I've been using to bring the Word of God to people. Anchor is a tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and a lot more. So it's really been helping me reach people that I can't go to their house and actually teach them a Bible study. So it's everything you need in the podcast in one place. The best of all, Anchor, and it's totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Word Bible Study with Pastor Dan and the family. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, I hope you have your family with you. Like always. We're ready to go. Amen. You guys excited today? Let's do yes. this. Book of yeah. Acts is awesome. It's showing us exactly how the church started. All right. We're going to be starting in chapter 10 today. So I hope you guys are reading along. Starting in verse number one. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send more men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner, who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance, and he saw the sky open and something like a large sheet being let down by the four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. So you know what that means, Saul? They were told that they weren't allowed to eat certain animals in the Old Testament. So he was telling God, I won't break the law of the Old Testament. So, But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up into heaven. So back in the Old Testament, before Jesus died, they couldn't eat certain kinds of food. They couldn't work on the Sabbath. Like Remember? Had a lot of they couldn't do a lot things. of, they had a lot of rules that they all had to listen to and obey. And God was showing them that since he had died, we're not going by those old rules anymore. So Peter was very perplexed at what the vision could mean. Just then, the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, They asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, 
As Peter was puzzled over this vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I am the man you are looking for. Why have you come? And they said, We were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summons you to his house so that he could hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. The next day he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was with them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, Stand up. I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside, where many others were assembled. Peter told them, You know it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this, or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. Cornelius replied, Four days ago, I was praying in a house about the same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your gift to the poor has been noticed by God. Now send messengers to Joppa, and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. So I sent for you at once, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here waiting before God to hear that the message the Lord has given you. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. No favoritism, guys. That means God doesn't care what race you are. He loves everybody equally. In every nation he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel. That there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, and he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one that all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. 
The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, Can anyone object to them being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. So you see, they got they got the Holy Ghost before they got baptized. But then after they got the Holy Ghost, they were told to go get baptized. Me too. Yeah, so even if you get the Holy Ghost first, Victor, you should still get baptized, right? Right. Yeah. All right, chapter 11. So the news reached the apostles and the other believers in Judea that the Gentiles had received the word of God. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. You entered the home of a Gentile and even ate with them, they said. Then Peter told them exactly what happened. I was in the town of Joppa, he said, and while I was praying, I went into a trance and saw a vision. Something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners from the sky, and it came right down to me. When I looked inside the sheet, I saw all sorts of tame and wild animals, reptiles and birds. And I heard a voice say, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, I replied, I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. But the voice from heaven spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. This happened three times before the sheet and all it contained was pulled back up into heaven. Just then, three men had been sent from Caesarea, arrived at the house where we were staying. The Holy Spirit told me to go with them and not to worry that they were Gentiles. These six brothers here accompanied me, and we soon entered the home of the man who had sent for us. He told us how an angel had appeared to him in his home and that he had told him, send messengers to Joppa, and summons a man named Simon Peter. He will tell you how you and everyone in your household can be saved. As I began to speak, Peter continued, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he fell on us in the beginning. Then I thought of the Lord's words when he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he has given us, when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in God's way? So you see, he was saying that since God gave them the Holy Ghost, that was showing that God accepted them. Isn't that cool, guys? It's amazing. That's what it means when you got the Holy Ghost, all that God's approved of that's you. That's right. And that's what it's going to mean when you get it, Victor. It's a seal of approval on your life. So when the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. They said... We can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting from their sins and receiving eternal life. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, Assyria. They preached the word of God, but only to the Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch and Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, 
they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived, he saw the evidence of God's blessings. He was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch, both of them staying there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. That was where we got our name, guys, in the church in Antioch. During this time, some prophets traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up in front of the meeting and predicted by the Spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. This was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. So the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. This they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. All right, chapter number 12 now. Let's keep pulling along. About the time King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church, he had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four officers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover, but while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison's gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and the angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up! And the chains fell off his wrist. Then the angel told him, Get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on the coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. Can you guys believe that? He thought he like just was dreaming all this. But the angel actually yeah. showed up and was breaking him out of the prison. That's amazing. They passed the first and the second guard post, and they came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. You guys hear that? The gate opened all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street. And then the angel suddenly left them. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary and the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door in the gate, and a servant girl named Rhonda came and opened it. When she realized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. 
When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down and told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said. And then he went to another place. At dawn, there was a great commotion among the soldiers about what had happened to Peter. Herod Agrippa ordered a thorough search for him. When he couldn't be found, Herod interrogated the guards and sentenced them to death. Afterwards, Herod left Judah to stay in Caesarea for a while. Now Herod was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, so they sent a delegation to make peace with him because their cities were dependent upon Herod's country for food. The delegations won the support of Blastus, Herod's personal assistant, and an appointment with Herod was granted. When the day arrived, Herod put on his royal robes, sat on his throne, and made a speech to them. The people gave him a great ovation, shouting, It's a voice of a god, not a man. Instantly, an angel of the Lord struck Herod with a sickness, because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving the glory to God. That's why it's important for us to give glory to God, right guys? Right. Instead of taking the glory for ourselves. Absolutely. He's the one that gives us all the strength. So he was consumed with worms and died. You guys hear that? Because he took the glory and didn't give it to God, he was eaten by worms. Consumed by worms. Meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread, and there were many new believers. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission to Jerusalem, they returned, taking John Mark with them. Chapter 13. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria, Syra, <laughs> where Barnabas and Simon called the black man, Lucas from Cyrene, and Manin, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas. That's not bad. Only two goof-ups on all those crazy names. That's not bad. And Saul, one day... As these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them away on their way. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport of Cilicia and then sailed to the island of Cyprus. There, in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogue and preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistant. Afterwards, they traveled from town to town across the entire island until finally they reached Pompus, where they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He had attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent man, the governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him, for he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elmas, the sorcerer, as his name means in Greek, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Saul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he looked the sorcerer in the eye, and he said, You son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud, 
and enemy of all that is good, will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. Instantly, a mist and darkness came over the man's eyes, and he began groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. Then the governor saw what had happened. He became a believer, for he was astonished by the teaching about the Lord. So you guys hear that? The sorcerer was trying to stop from God's word from going out. So he said, you're going to be blind. And in the name of Jesus, he was blinded. Isn't that cool, guys? Wow. I don't want to be blinded by the word of God, that's for sure. That is so true. All right, so let's keep going here in verse 13. Paul and his companions then left Pompeius by ship for Pampilia. <laughs> Pampilia. These names are getting harder and harder as we go. That's all right, guys. Just wait till we get in the Old Testament and we start reading all the Old Testament names. Oh, then no. you guys will really get to laugh at me. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Landing at the port town of Perga when John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. But Paul and Barnabas traveled in, inland to Antioch of Poseidon. On the Sabbath, they went to the synagogue for the services. After the usual reading of the books of Moses and the prophets, those in charge of the service sent them this message. Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, come and give it. So they invited him to preach right there, guys. I think Paul's going to take him up on it. So Paul stood... lifted his hands to quiet them and started speaking men of israel he said and you god-fearing gentiles listen to me the god of this nation of israel chose our ancestors to make them multiply and grow strong during their stay in egypt then with a powerful arm he led them out of their slavery he put up with them through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness Then he destroyed seven nations of Canaan and gave their land to Israel as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After that, God gave them judges to rule until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people begged for a king, and God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, who reigned for 40 years. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And it is one of King David's descendants. Jesus, who is God's promised Savior of Israel, before he came, John the Baptist preached that all the people of Israel needed to repent from their sins and turn to God and be baptized. As John was finishing his ministry, he asked, Do you think I am the Messiah? No, I am not. But he is coming soon, and I am not even worthy to be the slave and untie his sandals on his feet. Brothers, you sons of Abraham, and also you God-fearing Gentiles, this message of salvation has been sent to us. The people in Jerusalem and their leaders did not recognize Jesus as the one the prophets had spoken about. Instead, they condemned him. 
And in doing this, they fulfilled the prophet's words that are read every Sabbath. They found no legal reason to execute him, but they asked Pilate to have him killed anyways. When they had done all that the prophecies had said about him, they took him down from the cross and placed him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And over a period of many days, he appeared to those who had gone with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to the people of Israel. And now we are here to bring you this good news. The promise was made to our ancestors, and God now fulfilled it for us, their descendants, by raising Jesus. This is what the second psalm says about Jesus. You are my son. Today I have become your father. For God had promised to raise him from the dead, not leaving him to rot in the grave. He said, I will give you the sacred blessings I promised to David. Another psalm explains it more fully. You will not allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. This is not a reference to David, for after David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died and was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. No, it was a reference to someone else. Someone whom God raised and whose body did not decay. Brothers, listen. We are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight, something the law of Moses could never do. Be careful. Don't let the prophet's words apply to you. For they said, Look, you mockers, and be amazed and die. For I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. As Paul and Barnabas left the synagogue that day, the people begged them to speak about these things again the next week. Many Jews and devout converts to Jerusalem followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God. The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. Wow, so everybody's showing up now, guys. But when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous. So they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, It was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews. But since you have rejected it, and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the furthest corners of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and thankful Lord for his message. And all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So the Lord's message spread throughout the region. And the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and the leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of the town. So they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Iconium. And the believers were filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 14. The same thing happened in Iconium. Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue and preached with some power that a great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers. Some of the Jews, however, spurned God's message 
and poisoned the minds of the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas. But the apostles stayed there a long time, preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord. And the Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. But the people of the town were divided in their opinion about them. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. Then a mob of Gentiles and Jews, along with their leaders, decided to attack and stone them. When the apostles learned of it, they fled to the region of Lyconia in the towns of Lystra and Derbe and the surrounding area. And there they preached the good news. While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached. Looking straight at him, Paul realized that he had faith to be healed. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, Stand up! And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. Sounds kind of like Jesus, right guys? Yep. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect, These men are gods in human form. They decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus, and Paul was Hermes, since he was the chief speaker. Now the temple of Zeus was located just outside the town. So the priest of the temple and the crowd brought bowls and wreaths of flowers to the town gates, and they prepared to offer sacrifices to the apostles. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard what was happening, they tore their clothes in dismay and ran out among the people, shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings just like you. We have come to bring you the good news that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God, who made heaven and earth, the seas, and everything in them. In the past, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways, but he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. For instance, he sends you the rain and good crops to give you food and joyful hearts. But even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them. They thought they were a god. Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side and stoned Paul and dragged him out of the town, thinking he was dead. So you guys know what that means? They hit him with rocks until he quit moving. They thought he was dead. They all just smacked him with rocks until he finally fell down and acted dead. But then, as the believers gathered around him, he got up and went back into the town. The next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby. So he got up and went right back in the town. <laughs> After preaching the good news in Derby and making some disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Poseidon, where they strengthened the believers and encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church, with prayer and fasting, they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord, in whom they had put their trust. And they traveled back through Poseidon to Pomphylia, and they preached the word in Perga and went down to Atla. Guys, I'm doing pretty good on these names. I just got to give myself a little pat on the back there. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Gorgeous job. Finally, they returned by ship to Antioch of Syrah, where their journey had begun. 
the believers there had entrusted them to the grace of God to do the work they had now completed. Upon arriving in Antioch, they called the church together and reported everything God had done through them and how He had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles too. And they stayed there with the believers for a long time. Chapter 15. When Paul and Barnabas went to Antioch of Syrah, some men from Judah arrived and began to teach the believers, unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent the delegates to Jerusalem, and they stopped along the way in Phoenicia and Samaria to visit the believers. They told them much to everyone's joy that the Gentiles too were being converted. When they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and the elders. They reported everything God had done through them, but then some of the believers who belonged to the sack of the Pharisees stood up and insisted, the Gentiles' converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. So the apostles and the elders met together to resolve this issue. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts, and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear. We believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Everyone listened quietly as Barnabas and Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders God did through them among the Gentiles. When they had finished, James stood and said, Brothers, listen to me. Peter has told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for himself. And this conversation of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted as it is written. Afterward, I will return and restore the fallen house of David, and I will rebuild the ruins and restore it, so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord, including the Gentiles and all those who have been called to be mine. The Lord has spoken. He who made these things known so long ago. And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write and tell them. Here we go. This is what he's going to tell the Gentiles. To abstain from eating meat or food offered to idols, from sexual immorality, and from eating meat of strangled animals, and from consuming blood. These, for these laws of Moses have been preached in Jewish synagogues in every city on every Sabbath for many generations. Then the apostles and the elders together with the whole church in Jerusalem chose delegates 
and they sent them to Antioch of Syrah with Paul and Barnabas to report on this decision. The men chosen were two of the church leaders, Judas, also called Bersabbas, and Silius. This is the letter that they took with them. So this is the letter that what, what they wrote to all the churches. The letter is from the apostles and elders, your brothers in Jerusalem. It is written to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syra, and Cecilia. Greetings. We understand that some men from here have troubled you and upset you with their teachings, but we did not send them. So we decided, having come to complete agreement, to send you official representatives along with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are sending Judas and Silas to confirm what we have decided concerning your question. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. So this is all the requirements they put on the new believers. You must abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immoralities. For if you do this, you will do well forever. That's good to know, guys. The messengers went at once to Antioch, where they called the general meeting of the believers and delivered the letter. And there was great joy throughout the church that day as they read this encouraging message. Then Judas and Silas, both being prophets, spoke at length to the believers, encouraging and strengthening their faith. So this is what we do as, as evangelists. We go around and encourage each other and strengthen their faith. They right. stayed for a while, and then the believers sent them back to the church in Jerusalem with a blessing of peace. Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch. They and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord there. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them at Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas. And as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Then he traveled throughout Caesarea and Thessalonica, strengthening the churches there. All right, guys, chapter 16. Paul went first to Derby and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. So this is where we get the books, First and Second Timothy, guys. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and in Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In difference to the Jews in the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew large every day. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Pyra and Galatia. 
because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. So this is where we get Galatians and some of the other books. Then coming to the borders of Mesa, they headed north to the providence of Bethana. And again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went through Mesa to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in North Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. We boarded a boat at Tauros and sailed straight across the island of Samothrace. Now that one is definitely a hard one. And the next day we landed at Neopolis. For there we reached Philippi, a major city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a river bank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized and she asked us to be her guests. So you guys know the angels were worshipping when they got baptized, right? Every time someone gets baptized. If you agree that I am a true believer of the Lord, she said, Come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so aspirated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. The mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailers were ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening, and suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Can you guys believe that? The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open, and he assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself! We're all here! The jailer called the lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, 
What must I do to be saved? And they replied, here we go again, guys. He's going to give us the recipe again. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, I forgot this was in the middle of the night, guys. The jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. The next morning, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, let those men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. But Paul replied, they have beaten us without a trial and put us in prison. And we are Roman citizens. So now they just want us to leave secretly? Certainly not. Let them come themselves and release us. When the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to the jail and apologized to them. Then they brought them out and begged them to leave the city. When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. Then they left town. All right, guys, chapter 17. All right, guys, in this chapter, we're reading about him going to Thessalonica. And you guys realize how each of these places are the names of the books that we're going to read later in the New Testament. So this is like from Thessalonica 1 and 2. So Thessalonians. Yeah, yeah. Thessalonians. Here we go. Thessalonica? Yeah, because it's no longer a city, but it used to be back in Paul's day. Or it's probably still a city. It might have had his name changed. I'm, I'm sorry, my history on that is not up to date. All right, well, here we go. Let's read about it. Paul and Silas then traveled through the towns of Amphilius and Paulina and came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service, and for three Sabbath days in a row, he used the scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and raise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, along with many God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. But some of the Jews were jealous, so they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace and formed a mob to start a riot. They attacked the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas, so they could drag them out to the crowd. Not finding them there, they dragged out Jason and some other believers instead, and took them before the city council. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world, they shouted, and now they are disturbing our city too, and Jason has welcomed them into his home. They are all guilty of treason against Caesar, for they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. That's right. King Jesus. King Jesus. We profess our alliance to him too, right guys? That's right. The people of the city, as well as the city council, were thrown into turmoil over these reports. So the officials forced Jason and the other believers to post bond, and then they released them. That very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea, 
When they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. As a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. But when some Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, they went there and stirred up trouble. The believers acted at once, sending Paul on to the coast, while Silas and Timothy remained behind. Those escorting Paul went with him all the way to Athens. Then they returned to Berea with instructions for Silas and Timothy to hurry and join them. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. He also had a debate with some of the Epicureans and Stoic philosophers. When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, What's this babbler trying to say with all these strange ideas he's picking up? Others said, He seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You are saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw many shrines, and one of these altars had the inscription on it, To an unknown God. This God, whom you worship without knowing, is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since He is Lord of the heavens and earth, He doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve His needs, for He has no needs. He Himself gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need from one man he created all the nations throughout the whole earth he decided beforehand that when they should rise and fall and he determined their boundaries his purpose was for the nations to seek after god and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him though he is not far from any one of us for in him we live and move and exist. And some of your own poets have said we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day of judging the world and justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. This is a good message, isn't it, guys? He's telling them about Jesus. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt. And others said, we want to hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them, but some joined him and became believers. Among them were Dionysus, a member of the council, 
and a woman named Damaris and others with them. Chapter 18, guys. All right, this chapter, they're going to Corinth, and we're going to hear about the letters to the Corinthians later, but this is where they started it. Then Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontius. He, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla, and they had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all Jews from Rome. Paul lived and worked with them, and for they were tent makers just as he was. So that's what Paul used to do, guys. He used to make tents. Each Sabbath found Paul at the synagogue trying to convince the Jews and Greek alike. And after Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul spent all his time preaching the word. He testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed and insulted him, Paul shook the dust from his clothes and said, Your blood is upon your own head. I am innocent. From now on, I will go and preach to the Gentiles. Then he left and went to the home of Titus Judas, a Gentile who worshipped God and lived next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, and everyone in his household believed in the Lord. Many others in Corinth also heard Paul, became believers, and were baptized. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack or harm you, for many people in this city belong to me. So Paul stayed there for the next year and a half, teaching the word of God. But when Galeo became governor of Asha, some Jews rose up together against Paul and brought him before the governor for judgment. They accused Paul of persuading people to worship God in ways that are contrary to our law. But just as Paul started to make his defense, Galeo turned to Paul's accusers and said, Listen, you Jews, if this were a case involving some wrongdoing or a serious crime, I would have a reason to accept your case. But since it is merely a question of words and names in your Jewish law, take care of it yourself. I refuse to judge such matters. And he threw them out of the courtroom. A crowd then grabbed Zostheus, the leader of the synagogue, and beat him right there in the courtroom. But Galeo paid no attention. Paul stayed in Corinth for some time after that, then said goodbye to the brothers and sisters and went to nearby Sincera. There he shaved his head according to the Jewish customs, making an end to a vow. Then he set sail for Syra taking Priscilla and Aquila with him. They stopped first at the port of Ephesus, where Paul left the others behind. While he was there, he went to the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. They asked him to stay longer, but he declined. As he left, however, he said, I will come back later, God willing. Then he set sail for Ephesus. The next stop was the port of Caesarea. From there, he went up and visited the church at Jerusalem, and then he went back to Antioch. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul went back through Galatia and Pyrea, visiting and strengthening all the believers. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an elegant speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexander in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. 
When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God more accurately. Apollos, who had been thinking about going to Achaia, and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus, encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers in Achaia, asking them to welcome him. When he arrived there, he proved to be a great benefit to those who, by God's grace, had believed. He refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate. Using the scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. Chapter 19, guys, final chapter. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? This is a good question, guys. He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? He asked. And they replied, the baptism of John the Baptist. Now, guys, that's the same baptism that Jesus got baptized with. You guys know that? But he still told them, even though they believed and they were believers and they were baptized like Jesus, he tells them right here how important it is that they receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Right, guys? So Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. And some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This is how we started doing home Bible studies, guys. (laughs) This went on for the next two years so that people throughout the providence of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs and aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases, and evil spirits were expelled. A group of Jews were traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantations saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Shiva, the leading priest, were doing this. But one time, when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. The story of what happened spread quickly throughout Ephesus, to the Jews and the Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them had been practicing sorcery, brought their incantations, books, and burned them at the public bonfire. Isn't that cool, Saul? They burned the evil stuff that they didn't like in their town. The value of the like books that had spells in them and stuff. Listen, the value of the books was several million dollars. 
So the, so the message about the Lord spread widely and had powerful effect. Afterwards, Paul felt compelled by the Spirit to go over to Macedonia and Asilia before going to Jerusalem. And after that, he said, I must go on to Rome. He sent his two assistants, Timothy and Hermetus, ahead to Macedonia while he stayed a while longer in the province of Asia. About that time, serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way. It began with Demetrius, a silversmith who had a large business manufacturing silver shrines for the Greek goddess Artemis. He kept many craftsmen busy. He called them together along with others employed in the similar trades and addressed them as follows. Gentlemen, you know that our wealth comes from our business. But as you have seen and heard, this man Paul has persuaded many people that handmade gods aren't really gods at all. And he's done this not only in Ephesus, but throughout the entire province. Of course, I'm not just talking about the loss of public respect for our business. I'm also concerned about the temple of the great goddess Artemis will lose its influence and that Artemis the magnificent goddess worshipped throughout the province of Asia and all around the world will be robbed of her great prestige. At this, their anger boiled, and they began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Soon the whole city was filled with confusion. Everyone rushed to the amphitheater, dragging along Gaius and Articus, who were Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. Paul wanted to go in too, but the believers wouldn't let him. Some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, also sent a message to him, begging him not to risk his life by entering the amphitheater. Instead, the people were all shouting, some one thing and some another. Everything was in confusion. In fact, most of them didn't even know why they were there. The Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander forward and told him to explain the situation. He motioned for silence and tried to speak. But when the crowd realized that he was a Jew, they started shouting again and kept it up for about two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! At last, the mayor was able to quiet them down enough to speak. Citizens of Ephesus, he said, everyone knows that Ephesus is the official guardian of the temple of the great Artemis, whose image fell down to us from heaven. Since this is an undeniable fact, you should stay calm and not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, but they have stolen nothing from the temple and have not spoken against our goddess. If Demetrius and the craftsmen have a case against them, the courts are in session and the officials can hear the case at once. Let them make the formal charges. And if there are any complaints about other matters, they can be settled in a legal assembly. I am afraid we are in danger of being charged with rioting by the Roman government, since there is no cause for all this commotion. And if Rome demands an explanation, we won't know what to say. Then he dismissed them, and they all dispersed. And I'm going to dismiss this Bible study right now. How about that, guys? Right. We're going to stop here at chapter 19. And Saul requested that we do the Lord's Prayer today in Bible closing. So how about we all bow our heads and close our eyes, and we'll do this prayer together. You guys know it, right? Our Father who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, until next time, guys. We'll see you soon. Say goodbye. Have a blessed day. God bless you.